So we're going to be primarily in the book of Matthew. And the reason we're there is because it, Matthew talks repeatedly about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. And if we go to some of the other gospels, they'll talk about the kingdom of God. But it basically all fits. It's the same word. It's the same concept. What is the kingdom? It's where he has rulership. It's the place where he rules. And it's not just the factor of a place. It's a place in our lives where he rules. And because he rules, it makes a difference in everything that we touch and everything that we do. And so who are kingdom builders? If we go and look at the, this portion in Matthew chapter 3 it, and Matthew chapter 4, it's talking about was the first message that John the Baptist preached? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or it is here. What was the kingdom of heaven? It was the king of heaven. And it's interesting that it tells us in that portion, it says, in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee, where so many, where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who live in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. This was prophetic from the book of Isaiah, and it's exactly what Jesus fulfilled because it tells us in this portion that, that after John was arrested, he went first to Nazareth, then to Capernaum, then by the Sea of Galilee, then to Zebulun, and to Naphtali. So, who is the king? His kingdom are we to advance? Jesus. We are to make him known to those round about us. We are to live this thing for his glory, and we are to let him rule in us. Who are those that, that would follow Jesus? We know that, that he went, and he went by, and he saw the, the, these men that were fishing. And what does he intend for kingdom builders to be? Fishers of men, right? He called them away from a natural thing to press into something that was going to make a difference to turn a world upside down. We also see that it says in the Beatitudes, the very first Beatitudes, it talks about blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? Blessed are those who recognize how much they need the Lord because they're the ones that make him king. As long as we keep trusting in ourselves, in our own ways, we never make him king. He has to be totally in charge. We have to say, Lord, this is your day. You gave it to me. You've got a plan for it. I want to fit into that plan wherever you choose to put me. It's your kingdom. You have the right to command. And then we recognize that when we are building the kingdom, we're going to have some hard times. It says, blessed are they who are persecuted. No, no, wait, it didn't stop there, did it? Persecuted for righteousness sake. Happy are you when you have persecution come upon you because you live righteously and you serve God. Well, I don't like persecution, do you? 
but it's so vital in our lives that we learn how to recognize that when we make Jesus king, not everybody does, nor does any, everybody want to. And we have to recognize that factor and say, Lord, whatever it takes in the process of me walking with you, I'm going to be happy even in the persecution. And I think that Dick Broadens brought that out so plainly as, as he ministered to us. And he talked about the things that, that came as a result of being obedient to the king. I went on to see in Matthew that um, those that are going to be careful and, and those who are going to be part of the kingdom of, of God are going to be people that are careful about what they teach. We've got to know the word, folks. People that get into the word, and when we proclaim what we proclaim, we're proclaiming the mind of God. He has to be king, and what we give has to lift him up. And so it says, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you're going to be careful what you teach. So it's important to learn that. And then about those who, who are uh, in five, in Matthew five, it says, and I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of God. What were the scribes and Pharisees trusting in for their righteousness? Their own deeds, fulfilling the law, making sure they, they crossed every, every T and dotted every I that they thought was associated with the law. It was works. He says, your righteousness has to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. Well, how does that happen? I certainly, I can't do enough righteous things, right? What does the scripture talk about? Our righteousness, it's as filthy rags. But what is it saying? Those of us who have come to know him king, know that the righteousness that we walk in comes because of Jesus. It's his righteousness that's been put to our account, and we walk in that. We are aware of that. So that when persecution comes, we're not going to be put aside. <laughs> we're going to say, I am representing the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And then it goes on to talk about those who will, who will be kingdom builders are those who do the will of God. And I thought, this is a scripture. I don't know if you've ever struggled with this one. But it says, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do my Father's will only those who actually do my Father's will. And I, that one, I'm saying, Lord, I mean, you mean, you mean I, can, I can call you Lord in a sense? I can, I can actually cast out demons? <laughs> I can actually, what, what does it say in this thing? Prophesy in your name, cast out demons, perform miracles in your name, and I will not be a kingdom builder I will not be under the king. That's a, that's a hard one to understand. But you see, so many times the things that people do, they do for their own glory. 
rather than for the glory of the king. He wants to rule in everything that we do. And when those things happen out of our lives, we go right back and say, Lord, it wasn't me. I didn't accomplish those things. You accomplished it through me by your great grace. And you know what? That takes a lot of pressure off of us. It's his work. And we are just those instruments that he chooses to use and do it saying, I'm making you king. I want your rulership over my life. And then it, it, we see in Matthew 8, verses 11 and 12, it says, I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? That means that there is going to be great diversity in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven, not just heaven there, but the aspect of Jesus, who is everything. Great diversity. Some of them I might not like, and you might not like. Sometimes you may look at some people and say, I don't know how they got into the kingdom. Ever feel that way? But what it's telling us is, Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob to the Jewish people, that was the epitome of, of people who were right with God. And he said, you know, there's going to be all kinds. <laughs> They're going to come from everywhere. And, and I think if you kind of look back at some of that, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees are getting all bent out of shape as to who really should hear this good news. <laughs> He said, well, there's prostitutes and there's, there's thieves and all kinds of people that we would say, how, how do they fit? But you see, they made him king. They've made him king. They've sold themselves out to him. And it's amazing what he can do with us. Sometimes I, I stand back and I say, Lord, you can sure dress me up and make me look good. And he's done that with all of us. He's come along, and because of what he's put inside of us, there's just something about you shine. You have something people see, and they notice the difference. So there's going to be great diversities in the kingdom where he rules. The kingdom is built on forcefulness. It tells us in Matthew 11, verse 12, and from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault and violent men seize it by force. I went to the Amplified and it added something. It's saying this kingdom of God is a precious prize. A share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with most ardent zeal and intense uh, exertion. We've got to be militant after placing our lives in a place. I've got to take me by the back of the neck and shake me sometimes to make me realize that I must be forceful in turning myself over to him as king. In his kingdom. Do you know that Jesus shared a lot of parables, didn't he? And why did he share those parables? Well, for those who had an ear to hear, those parables were, were great to hear. 
They, they knew what they meant, but for those who didn't have an ear to hear, they were just kind of put aside. You didn't get it. That's all right, because you don't have a heart for the king. But he, he used various principles. They called them the mysteries of the kingdom. And, and some of the mysteries of the kingdom dealt with the aspect of sowing. You see, if we sow, and if we sow, there's all kinds of soil out there, right? And one of the things that we've got to know is we're not responsible for what comes up. I'm not responsible for what comes by what I give out. That's up to the Holy Spirit and to the type of soil that's there that's in hearts of people. And you know, that's really freeing. It's really freeing. Because we get so pressed that we've got to carve notches on our gun belts for what we've done. But it's his kingdom. All he's asking us to do is sow. Just get out there and sow. And then it goes on in, in Matthew to say, when you sow, recognize that there's going to be an enemy that may come in, and that enemy will sow where you've sown weeds. And sometimes we want to be weed pullers before it's time to be weed pullers. <laughs> this is, is telling them, don't you see, don't, don't worry about that. Just let the stuff grow together. And then when it comes time to harvest, we'll know which really was the good seed and which were the weeds. There's a time where we're to pull weeds. And there's a time we're not. And being real good kingdom builders will teach us to be alert to the king, to be directed as to what he'd want us to do. He also talked about the parable of the mustard seed. And you know, we look at that as something that's small. And we need to recognize that nothing should stop us, regardless of how small something seems to be, from sowing into the kingdom. A mustard seed, and I, I love this. I know that it's a small seed, but it can grow into a, a fairly good-sized plant. But one of the characteristics is not necessarily just the smallness of that, but the tenaciousness of that mustard seed. I understand you can take it and, and plant it, and you can put a big rock on top of it, and it'll find a way. Come up around that rock. And have to know that all we're to do is just plant. And God will work to bring that thing, that faith that needs to be developed. He'll find a way to bring it up. And the kingdom of heaven is like that. There's going to be times when we look at the things that we have and it's so small. And we don't know how it can be at any, any way advantageous to us. And yet God can bring it up around the greatest obstacles. And then it talked also about the yeast. And you know, we, we, a woman put a measure of yeast into flour, into her, her dough, and, and it permeated all through that. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom builders, are people that will invest themselves into this world, and we're going to see it grow. It'll multiply. 
And then it talked about the parable of the hidden treasures and, and the pearl of great price. And, and in that, it was the factor that, that the man who found this pearl of great price or found this hidden treasure in a field went and sold everything that he had to buy that field because he saw the potential of what could come out of that. And people who are kingdom builders are people who will look and decide where they need to invest their time. And sometimes it means everything. Investing everything that you have. And I think that's out of our heart. I am giving my heart whole, wholly to the Lord. And whatever you need to do out of my heart, may you invest it into the kingdom. And may I with great May I find that, that treasure that's there. I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to give all. And I'm not telling you you have to bankrupt yourself. But I'm telling you, you need to give all that God's laying on your heart to give in relationship to building his kingdom. And then it goes on to talk about excuses that people make in building the kingdom. What was the things that when the, the king invited people to this, this bank, this wedding feast for his son. What happened there? We find that they made excuses why they couldn't come. And you know, we let the cares of this world <laughs> cause us to make excuses as to why we won't come to honor the king's son. And we've got to be people that fight against that. And then it we talked about the factor that, that those who are kingdom builders are prepared and they here from um, the, the virgins. What happened? There were ten virgins, right? Ten of them were wise, or five of them were wise and five were foolish. And what was the factor of that? We find that the wise had additional oil. They made preparation for something that might take a long time. You know, God is calling us as kingdom builders, as people who, who are indeed the mind of God, the heart of God to make him ruler. What is he asking of us? Be prepared. We don't know how long it's going to be before the king comes. Our bridegroom comes. We don't know. But be prepared. And be prepared to wait. You know, we want, we want to put dates on things. We want to push certain things. Be prepared that regardless of how long it takes him to do whatever he's going to do, we're prepared. And then kingdom builders are diligent workers. They're those who God uses and entrusts. And, and this is coming actually out of Matthew 25, where it talks about the factor of, of the workers. Remember, he, he went out, the, the, the house, the... Um, I can't remember what they called him, but the man who was in charge of all of the properties, all that he had, he went out to find workers. And in the process of finding those workers, he got some and they agreed to a certain pay and they went out and worked. And then a little later on, he, he went out and he found a few more and, and, and he brought them in and it was a little later hour and finally till it came down to one hour before quitting time. And in one hour before quitting time, when it came to paying these people, what did he do? 
He gave them all the same amount. And you know, we get so caught up at looking at what somebody else is getting in relationship to what we're getting for doing the same work. And we mess, our, we mess things up. God is interested in us saying, you know, if he wants to be generous and pay someone the same amount for working one hour as he, as he pays us for more, that's fine. That's okay. It's his kingdom. And we're not getting our eyes on other people. Kingdom builders do not get their eyes on other people. They live in the audience of just one. And his name is Jesus. He's our king. So we're entrusted as they were entrusted. Remember, he talks about the man who went away and he, he gave to three of his servants. One he gave 10 talents, one he gave five talents, one he gave one talent. The man who had 10 talents multiplied, invested, he ended up with 20. The one who had five, was it that way? Did, am I messing that up, Dan? Five, two, and one, sorry. He'll fix me. Uh, <laughs> That's why it's wonderful to have a mate. Because they keep you straight. Five, two, and one. So the one who had five made it ten. The one who had two made it four. And, and the one who had one, he hid it. He didn't use it. And God is calling us as kingdom builders to be diligent workers with what he gives us. He gave each one of them according to what their ability was. He didn't ask anything more than what he knew they had the ability to do. And they were obedient, two of them. But one, ah, I'm just afraid. You know, fear keeps us back from being king kingdom builders. Fear keeps us back from letting him reign in our life because we're afraid of what he might request or demand of us. And so when I look at all of this, we find that he talked about how important it was to be diligent, and he said, and we're going to go celebrate. Those of you who will do with what I've given you and, and apply it, we're going to celebrate together. I'm going to have a joy, you're going to have a joyful time in my kingdom. But those who hold on to what he's given and don't invest it to what he's put in your life, what he's given you talents for, we're going to lose out big time, aren't we? I want to take you to who we are. And this is found in 1 Peter. And um, I want to read this to you. This is who we are. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, you are, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are, and I love this, the King James says a peculiar people. This translation says God's very own possession. God's very own possession. As a result, the scripture says, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you had no identity, now you are known. Well, how are you known as the people of God? Once you, now you are the temple of God. 
and he walks and lives in this temple. Do you realize that? He walks and he lives through your body so that when you take a step, it's his steps. And we've got to learn to see that kind of thing. That's his rulership over our life. He comes to full stature in us. That's his desire for us. And when he does that, we make a difference in our world. It says, therefore, come out from among unbelievers that's, and separate yourself from them, says the Lord. Don't touch unclean things. Now, does that mean we're never to be involved with people that are unbelievers? It doesn't mean that. What it does mean is that they're not to be your bosom buddies. They're not to be where you spend your time. There's a little poem that uh, is old. It's called, If Jesus Came to Your House to Spend a Day or Two. If he came unexpectedly, I wonder what you'd do. <laughs> and it talks about, would you put away some of the magazines that maybe you're there? Would you hope that some of the friends that you have won't show up at that time? Would you hope that, that maybe uh, the TV is going to be the main issue and some of the things that you would have done or gone to will not be there because Jesus was present. But Jesus is present. He's present right now inside each of us. And he intends for us to be careful. Do you know where the, when they talk about the works of the flesh and they talk about uncleanness? Do you know what that word means? Poor housekeeping. How are we keeping our house as kingdom builders? What are we letting come into our eye gate, our ear gate? How are we keeping our house? Are we good housekeepers of this body that has been given for his glory? And then it goes on to say, be careful how you live. People are watching you. You are the best Bible that some people will ever read. They're watching you. How do you live? And so in the book of Romans, and I want to kind of close with this portion of scripture. I want you to hear it. It says in Romans chapter 12, and we're going to start with verse 6. It says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. In other words, we're not all the same. But he can be king in our lives regardless of who we are or where we are. It says, so if God has given you an ability to prophesy or ability to speak the mind of God, speak out with as much faith as God can give you. If your gift is serving others, then serve them well. Uh, if your gift, if you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouraging others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. Give generously. If God has given you leadership abilities, take those responsibilities seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tight to what is good. And if you've noticed, all of these things that are in this are part of what we've already talked about are the lives of kingdom builders. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard 
and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. Then God's people, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil for evil. Do things in such a way that everyone who sees you will see you are honorable. And do all you can to live at peace with each other. Boy, those are pretty powerful words, aren't they? And this is the intent of the people that are to be kingdom builders. He's what he's asking of us. So what are we to do? Sow your seed. In Ecclesiastes, it says, cast your bread upon the water. And it's talking about bread corn or seed corn. And they were talking about flooded waters. You may not see where that seed is going to penetrate into the ground, but don't, don't think about that. Cast it out anyway, and it'll settle in the place it needs to settle, and it'll bring its increase. Cast your bread upon the water, and in many, after many days, it will be returned to you. Also, cast your net. You may get good fish, and you may get bad ones. <laughs> You're not responsible for what's in the net. You're just supposed to cast it. And don't get hung up on the factor that everyone that came into your net isn't a good fish. There will be people walk away, people who will not receive. That's not your responsibility. You've done what God asked you to do. Cast your net. Consider the field. Where is it that you see something of value? Consider that field and invest in it. And recognize why we are kingdom builders. And these scriptures tell us, because, and this is in 2 Corinthians 5.11, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. What are we saying? There's coming a day where we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And he's going to evaluate what we've done. Not, not for the factor of whether we get to heaven or not, but for reward. What's our reward going to be? He's going to judge our motives. He's going to judge how we lived. And he's going to judge the results of those things that we, did, we were called to do. We have a judgment seat of Christ coming, every one of us are going to stand before the Lord. You know, the scripture talks about the factor that he's going to wipe away all tears from our eyes. And I wholeheartedly believe that's going to be at the judgment seat of Christ. Because I think there's going to be a lot of tears when we see what we could have done, how we could have been, how we could have acted, and what we did. And yet this generous God is still loving us disappointed that we may not receive all the reward that we could have had but we're there by the blood of Jesus Christ 
I don't know about you, but I want to have something to offer in that day. And then in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, it says, you are Christ's ambassadors. You know, this, the young people of the Assemblies of God used to be called Christ's ambassadors. It is that one who represents their king. You are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal to the world through you. We speak for Christ when we plead, tells us here, come back to the Lord. 